We're here at Fairway Supermarket and we're eating out of other people's carts. That's what we're doing. We gotta grab their food, shove it in our mouths, and eat it right in front of them. All right, let me stop you right there, because grapes are my jam. <laughs> <laughs> grapes are my jam. <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. That's my one. But they're my jam. <laughs> I would totally get those if I were you. Uh, yeah, I, I bought it like two weeks ago. They're so good, so fresh. And it's almost as good as these that you have, mm -hmm. the cantaloupe. The good thing about these, if you try them, they're <laughs> really, really good, really fresh. That's one. Like, so, so good. <laughs> you can't get this in other stores. <laughs> the only thing that's not as good as other places is this one that you got, the, um, the, the mango slices. <laughs> in this store, these aren't nearly as good. Well, look, not easy fries, not as good as the other ones. I do have to tell you that these are the pomegranate seeds here. It's just super, super fresh. They're really good. You guys from the neighborhood or no? Oh, here we go, here we go. Here we go, here it is, here it is. $3.99 for the pack. Yeah. Oh, then they're individually wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> and no one said it was gonna be easy, buddy. So it's a lot of it's a lot of work, really, if you want to get down to the apple. Are you laughing? What is allowed? <laughs> Shove them all in your mouth. <laughs> get them in there. Okay. No, okay. Thank you. I'm dying. <laughs> Listen. If a complete stranger can come up and eat food out of your shopping cart, isn't it true that we struggle with boundaries? Because nobody really said anything to stop those guys from eating food out of their shopping cart. And I think if you were in, the, in that position too, you would probably struggle to nicely set a boundary with someone who's eating food out of your cart. And if we struggle with something as seemingly obvious and as simple as that, then we probably struggle in many other areas of our life when it comes to boundaries. Because I know I struggle badly when it comes to setting boundaries. And so today we're going to wrap up our series, Boundaries, Creating Helpful and healthy boundaries with the question that I think most of you hopefully have probably been asking yourselves throughout this series because you're some of the smartest people that I know. Most of you throughout this series have been thinking to yourself, Taylor, this is all well and good. I'm excited about boundaries. I'll set better boundaries. But how do I know I'm making progress in setting boundaries? How do I know that I'm setting healthy and, and appropriate boundaries in my life. And so that's the question I hope to answer a bit for you today um, to look at this and give you essentially a kind of a measure, a metric that you can use to answer this question to see if you're, you're setting healthy boundaries. And then I'm going to give you a bit of scripture to get you started on this as well. And the question is, I'm giving it to you right off the bat. The question is, do people know my boundaries? This is the measure that you need to figure out whether or not, to help you figure out whether or not you actually have healthy boundaries. Do people know my boundaries? Or to put it a different way, am I communicating and enforcing them, my boundaries? Or am I communicating and enforcing my boundaries? Now, for the majority of the time, we're just going to focus on this first question. Do people know my boundaries? In other words, could people articulate 
if I have boundaries or what boundaries that I do have. Like if you walked up to someone, a friend or a family member or even your spouse, or your kids, and, and you said, hey, could you tell me one or two boundaries that you know I have? Could they articulate them? For example, would your coworkers know that you, generally speaking, only have like two night meetings a week? Otherwise, you're at home spending time with your family. Or uh, do other people know that you every week take a day of rest? You take um, a, a Sabbath day, as we call it in Christianity and in, in Judaism, a Sabbath day. You take a day of rest. Do your kids know that you are not going to pick up their dishes? You are not going to flush their toilet? That may be something you have to talk to your spouse about as well. Do, do you or do your kids know that you're not going to clean their room you're not going to do their homework. You're not going to, maybe adult kids, you're not going to pay their bills anymore. Do they know that there are boundaries in place? In other words, areas of responsibility. Um, and we talked about this, and we'll go back over here to our fence. Essentially a boundary acting like a fence. And what's on your side of the fence, you're responsible for. And what's on the other side of the fence, other people are responsible for. So do the people in your life know where those boundaries are? Could they repeat them back to you? Does your boss know that you aren't going to do last minute projects? Do they know, not because you got angry, because you got indifferent, kind of passive aggressive, but because you clearly set in a kind way, responsible and healthy boundaries. Do they know that? The reason I ask is, and the reason I suggest this metric is because most of us have boundaries already. They're just unspoken. Most of us have boundaries in place, in our hearts, in our minds. We just don't tell anybody about them. And here's how I know that. Is because if you think back, even in the, like the last 24 hours, you don't probably, most of you don't even have to go that far. How many moments, um, maybe when you felt resentful or you felt a little angry or frustrated, how many of those moments had to do with in part or maybe all uh, the entire reason was because somebody violated, broke, crossed over a boundary that you had. They, they didn't show up. They showed up late. They committed, but then they didn't follow through. How many people knew that that was a boundary for you? I mean, there's unspoken boundaries in culture. Like we assume that people are going to be on time. That's an unspoken boundary. But have you, have you communicated it to the person that showed up late? Because I think the bigger problem is not having boundaries sometimes, it's just speaking the boundaries that you have. That you're letting the people who are crossing your boundaries, crossing over that area of responsibility, violating that, know that a boundary was broken. And if you're a Jesus follower, you're a Christian, this is really important. In fact, you don't really have a choice in this. The reason you have to communicate your boundaries in a kind and compassionate way is because that's what God does. Because isn't it true that most people know, most people, they don't even have to be a Christian, a churchgoer. Most people have a decent idea of the boundaries that God has put in place, that God communicates. Now, unfortunately, most people honestly, associate that with negativity or exclusion or God's just mean. And we talked about that a lot last week. So if that's where you are in your faith journey, then I would really encourage you to go watch week three of this series because we talk in depth about that. But essentially, my point being, if you don't speak them, 
how are things going to change? If they go unspoken, how is that pattern of brokenness or pattern of bitterness and anger, resentment and frustration going to change if you don't speak your boundaries? So now, hopefully you're at least mildly motivated to communicate boundaries better in the future. And when you feel that red flag of emotion coming up, like, hey, I'm kind of bitter about this. Maybe it's because I didn't communicate a boundary. Maybe you're ready to do that now. And so the good news is the Apostle Paul helps us in understanding kind of how we put those boundaries out there and some things that we need to think about when putting those boundaries out there to make sure people know about it, what to consider when, when we do that. And he talks about that in his letter to the church in Corinth. We call it 1 Corinthians. For all we know, it was 5th Corinthians. Corinthians, but as far as um, the Bible goes, we organize it as 1 Corinthians. And we're going to be in chapter 8. So if you have your Bible at home, you can pull it off the shelf and, and open it up and follow along a little bit with us. We're going to be starting in uh, verse 9, I believe. And so in this particular letter, to help you understand where we're going today, Paul is speaking directly to the church in Corinth. He's speaking to the Christians in Corinth. If we go back a slide, we're not ready for this one yet. Thank you. Um, yeah, Corinthians chapter 8. And so, um, He's um, talking to them, and essentially his point being, stop being a stumbling block to others and to yourself when you set boundaries. In fact, it was such a big deal to, to Paul to, to get the Christians to stop being a stumbling block to others and themselves that he talks about it not just in, the, in, Cor uh, in his letter to the church in Corinth, but he also talked it, about it in the letter to the church in Rome. He says, stop being a stumbling block. And in in, specifically in this letter, he talks about it in the context of a little issue that was happening uh, in Corinth at the time. Uh, and to understand, I got to give you a little cultural background. But 2,000 years ago, um, Rome was in charge of everything. And the primary religion in those days uh, was paganism. And, and paganism just being uh, a pluralistic um, kind of grouping of different gods that took care of different parts of people's everyday lives. And, and then there would be certain rituals or things that maybe would be associated with that. But essentially, um, oftentimes pagan worship had something involving uh, sacrifice that would need to happen to kind of earn or curry the favor of the gods. And what was happening for the Christians in the church in Corinth is some people were having a really it, an issue because what would often happen is somebody would go to the temple, the pagan temple, sacrifice an animal or, or something like that. And then the meat of that animal would then like go and be in uh, high V at the meat market when they went in to get their meat that afternoon. And that really bothered some Christians because in their minds, and kind of understandably so, they were like eating demonic sacrificed meat. In fact, I'm guessing most of us would, might have a little problem if we knew that some of the meat that we were eating was involved in some pagan, pagan sacrifice. I think that's probably fair. And Paul says, um, and, and so then Paul's going to address this. And, and just a heads up as we jump into this, he kind of uh, has very strong adjectives, which can you know, and at least I think in our culture, kind of be a little bit offensive, a little pushy, okay? So just heads up that he, he has very definite statements in what he's about to say. Um, but I don't think he necessarily means it in a malicious way, just comes across strong to uh, us in um, our, our culture and communication style. So here's how he begins. He says, be careful, however, 
that the exercise of your rights to essentially eat this meat, this uh, pe- uh, pagan sacrifice meat, because some Christians were then eating the meat and some Christians were not. Be careful that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Now, my friends, <laughs> I could unpack a lot about this verse. And I think this is actually very relevant to kind of our point in American culture today in um, people's uh, expression of their rights. But essentially what Paul is saying is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And if you'd like to learn more about that, we just got done with a series called Right in Your Eye. And so you can go onto our website or our app and watch the Right in Your Eye series. And it's kind of all about this idea of what does exercising your rights really get to get you and, and what you need to think about. But for today, we're going to stay on topic. So we're going to move on specific to the topic. What he's saying is, it is um, if you want if you want to exercise your right to eat that sacrificial meat, You're right in that it will not take you farther away from God. It will not drive a wedge between you and God just because you eat meat that was sacrificed in a pagan temple. It's just meat. There's nothing good or bad about it necessarily. However, he said, however, you may be a stumbling block to the weak if you do, you may be a stumbling block to people who don't have strength to differentiate. They may be weak when it comes to differentiating what matters and what doesn't. In other words, they may, you, may have, uh, you may cause other people to stumble who have difficulty communicating and establishing boundaries in their life. See, you may be able to drink without getting drunk. You may be able to spend money without going into debt. You may be able to debate people without becoming angry. But, and this shouldn't be a shock to you, but other people can't. Not everybody may have the strength in a particular area of their life as you do. Not everybody may be standing on the same rock that you do to be able to set the same strong boundaries that you do. Paul says, for, for if someone with a weak conscience sees you with your knowledge, essentially your knowledge of what really matters and what doesn't, eating an idol's temple in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols also? In other words, Pastor Taylor does it, so I can do it too. That's happened, by the way. In fact, I think it happens a lot. As you look at the more pastoral figure, the more pious person or the better person, and you then reference your life based on theirs. Essentially, you fall victim to the comparison trap. If someone on your Facebook checks in at a place and they're having a great time and they post pictures, you think to yourself, well, then I need to go too. If they're on this trip, then I should go too. If they're spending this money, then I should go too. If they got angry then so can I. If they're going to fight for their rights, then so can I. But what is that that word Paul used? Conscience. That that thing, that little voice that says in the back of our mind, ah, that's probably not a good idea, or "Eh, that's a good idea. What is that? That's boundaries. Those are boundaries in the back of your mind, stepping up and saying, hey, I'm not sure you should actually do this. In other words, Paul's saying, if you have great boundaries, 
don't show off. Don't show off because you can may unintentionally embolden others to do essentially what's not good for them. You need to be considerate of others when you set your boundaries. Paul's saying, it's okay to communicate boundaries. It's okay to have strong boundaries, but just be careful of how it may impact other people. So for us in setting our boundaries, please communicate, as I said, healthy boundaries, but just be careful that other people may not be as strong in that particular area as you are. If someone communicates their boundaries, then if someone else says, hey, I realize you're going out and, and, and you're going to do this or have this behavior or, or something like that, um, that's okay, but I can't. You can go on a spending spree, but I don't have that in my budget. Has anyone ever said that to you? No. Most people will just be like, hey, I got to fake it till I make it. And so they swipe the credit card and get themselves into debt. So you need to be sensitive to your neighbor. You need to love your neighbor. You need to love your family and your friends and recognize their boundaries may be different. Because if you don't, it leads to a mess. You don't take your buddy drinking if you know they can't stop. You don't take a friend shopping if you know they can't afford it. You don't take your friend on a vacation that they can't afford. There's a line between compassion and boundaries. You don't enable your kids by cleaning up after them sometimes. You set the boundaries. Because, Paul says, so this weak brother or sister, this weak brother or sister, for whom Christ died. So in other words, he's reminding the listener, this person is exceptionally valuable to God. Yes, they may have weakness in the particular area of their life and not setting boundaries, but they are still someone who, for whom Christ died. They're still exceptionally valuable to your father in heaven. And the problem is, they're ending up destroyed by your knowledge or your strength. Your buddy's evening, your buddy's rest of the week may be destroyed by the fact that you enabled the drinking. Their credit card balance is destroyed because you enabled the shopping spree. Your employees, because they didn't understand the boundaries, you didn't communicate the boundaries very well as their leader, they're frustrated and annoyed and disappointed because you didn't communicate those boundaries well. Your kids are hurt because you are, are essentially um, pushing your emotions and your decisions on them and they're not mature enough to understand and process that. And they're destroyed essentially by your maturity as the adult. They can't handle it. And so you gotta be respectful of that. You may have to adjust your boundaries accordingly. You can still communicate it, but also be receptive to theirs. And then here's the other thing. And here's the thing that I think we miss in this verse, especially as Christians. I think we have this tendency sometimes, hopefully we have this tendency sometimes, to be more thinking about the other person and how I'm supposed to be relating to the other person. And so we're thinking, okay, all right, Taylor, I get it. We communicate boundaries, but we got to be respectful of other people's boundaries or their lack of boundaries. And, and we have to take that into account. Yes, yes. But here's the other thing. You are also, stay on this side, you are all, there, there it goes. We, you are also a brother or sister for whom Christ died. You are also that valuable to God. So you too need to stop being a stumbling block to yourself. 
You'll say to yourself, I'm going to set this boundary. You say to yourself, I'm not going to let this happen again. But then when the time comes, what happens? You fold. You don't have the strength to follow through to um, hold the other person accountable, to actually communicate that boundary in the first place. And just what Paul essentially is insinuating is that you are now hurting yourself for whom Christ also died. Just like you don't want to hurt others with your boundaries or your insensitivity to their boundaries, you can't hurt yourself or you cannot be. Don't be your own stumbling block. Don't be your own stumbling block. Just as you care for others, don't set yourself up for failure. Don't, just as you don't want to set others up for failure, don't set your own self up for failure. If you can't say no to your in-law or, or in-laws or your parents, then don't go. Yeah, but Taylor, that could really hurt the relationship. It could, but also not doing something and becoming embittered by that relationship could hurt the relationship, right? If, if you are cooking and then you don't get any help cleaning up and so you're spending two plus hours not only cooking the food but doing the dishes and all that stuff and that, that's causing some bitterness, maybe you like doing that and, it, and if it doesn't cause you strife to do that, then, then please Keep doing it. But if it's becoming a, an issue of bitterness and frustration for you because you don't get help cleaning up after, after the meal, then guess what you need to do? Stop cooking. Stop giving in. And you'll be shocked at how much people snap in and like, well, if we don't get food, we'll help do the dishes. <laughs> if your friends keep getting you involved and, and you know, sucking you into their drama and their gossip, if you don't say anything, even though you leave that relationship feeling bad and kind of, you know, a little dirty because of talking about other people behind their back and all that kind of stuff, uh, then don't go. Don't hang out with those friends. I bet, I bet you that most of those friends are looking for somebody to step up and step in and say, you know what? I think we have better things to talk about than gossiping about other people behind their back. And it may kind of throw them off at first, but I bet most of them are hoping somebody could step in because they don't like how they feel when they do it either. That is the result of sin. We talk about that almost every other week, it feels like lately, is the consequences of sin is death. It destroys a part of the relationship. Paul just talks about that. You're destroying someone else and in so doing, you may be destroying yourself as well. So, do people know my boundaries? Here's your measure. Do people know my boundaries? And do I know theirs? And if I don't, I need to communicate. I need to ask. I need to figure this out. Because if you have clarity between you and another person and where the boundaries are, I guarantee you, you will have a healthier life and relationship for it. But if you don't, there will be a degree of destruction like Paul just promised in that relationship. There will be a degree of resentment and bitterness in that relationship. Or you could answer the question. You could answer the question and most importantly, you could model those boundaries. You could work together to model those boundaries after your heavenly father and after his boundaries. 
You can stay in your area of responsibility. Please make sure you're maintaining your area of responsibility, but make sure you understand where other people's area of responsibilities are too. Make sure you've essentially, as we've talked about, our yard being our boundaries, make sure you know where the property lines are too. It doesn't have to be an angry experience. It can be a healthy, communicating, understanding process of figuring out boundaries. Ah, but Taylor, but Taylor, but what if, what if my boundaries are bad? What if I mess up? What if I put them in the wrong place? What if they're too much? What if I lose relationships because of my boundaries? And that's fair. In fact, it is possible. That is a reasonable concern. But consider the fact that you may actually be losing those relationships already because either you're upset because other people are violating your boundaries or they're upset because you're violating theirs and you just sit there with no communication around your boundaries. And Proverbs, there's this great verse in Proverbs that says, whoever conceals hatred, whoever conceals bitterness and frustration and anger with lying lips. In other words, saying, oh yeah, friend of mine, it's okay. No worries. I'll figure it out. You know, that kind of thing. Lying lips and spread slander. They are a fool. It is foolish to not have this conversation. It is foolish. You need to have that conversation. So, so Christians, Jesus followers, because you kind of have to do this. There's no wiggle room in this. This is just healthy relationships. I really encourage you to find an individual or ideally people who can help you to process through these boundaries. Have these conversations. Have these conversations with your spouse. Because if you do, you can work out better where the fence goes. If you don't, you'll never have any idea where this thing fits into your life. And you're always going to be crossing each other's boundaries and you're always going to be causing each other frustration. And a great option, especially this fall, when we launch small groups, one of the things we talk about here at Infuse is doing something significant, taking a significant step. Significance being um, serving, inviting, giving, and in a group, significant. And so um, one of those is getting in a group. A group, especially a group, that's intentioned to grow relationally and grow in faith will help you to perfect and practice this form of accountability and sharing of boundaries. It is a great platform to take your concerns and that bitterness and resentment to and say, hey, could you help me to understand maybe where I'm going wrong on this? To have that conversation and make sure you do that well. The early church, first couple hundred years of the church, they did this exceptionally well. That's why Paul is writing to them because he's saying, hey, you guys are meeting in a home. In fact, what would happen often is Paul's letter would arrive or get passed around among other churches. It would arrive in Corinth and somebody would stand up in front of the, the home and in, in the, in the church was the people were in the home and he'd re, then the, the letter would be read out loud. And then people would look at their neighbor and they'd say, oh yeah, we are causing other people to stumble. Oh yeah, we need to have a conversation about it. And they'd grow because of it. Life is too complex not to talk about it. So do people know my boundaries? I feel like I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but it's so critical. Do people know my boundaries and do I know theirs? And if you feel like you have an area of weakness, write it down. If you sense resentment in a certain area of your life, write it down and start there. It's not worth getting bitter. It's not worth getting frustrated. Start small. Just like riding a tricycle. I'm not asking you to ride a bike right away, but just start small with baby nose. 
baby knows. Hey, just a little no here, a little no there. And work yourself up to, with the help of others, the place where you're setting those wall, those fences in the right way. Pray over that list. Pray over that list of areas of resentment that you have in your life where you need to probably adjust and place boundaries. Pray over them. Ask God to help you to understand and grow. Help, ask God to help you to set God-honoring fences. Fences that respect other people and love other people as they love and treat yourself well too because you don't want to be a stumbling block for yourself. And then also remember, and I've talked about this a couple weeks now, remember to pick up that book on boundaries by Henry Cloud. It's just a great read on so many different practical areas of life to help you to process this well. Now, as we wrap up today, here's some discussion questions that I would love for you to talk about with the people in your home, people in the car watching with you, wherever you're checking this out. Maybe you need to call somebody up to have this conversation. Just, just do it this week. I mean, I say this often is to talk to other people about it. No, actually do it this week. Call somebody up. Get somebody over uh, to your garage, social distance, stay safe, all that good stuff. But then ask them, hey, when do you consider setting up a boundaries? Uh, uh, when you consider setting a boundary, do you worry more about hurting others or yourself? And how does Paul address this in today's verse? Are you more worried about hurting others or yourself? And what is an example of a boundary that I don't communicate well? Some of you need to really focus on that because it's not just one, is it? There's a lot. And you got to talk about it. You got to work through it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to bow our heads. If it's safe to do so, close our eyes. Just take a moment, put the laundry down, come back to this window browser, wherever you are, you know, ask the kids to quiet down for just a moment. And we're just going to take a moment to pray because it's a big deal. This is hard. And we need our fathers in heaven's guidance to do this well. Heavenly Father, Lord, please help us to understand the words of Paul. Help us to have clarity around these words, that, that we would not be a stumbling block to people around us. That we would not be a stumbling block to ourselves because we had the conversation. We may have needed some help in bringing ourselves to that conversation. We needed maybe to, to fall, to, to stumble a few times to get to the place where we're really to ha- ready to have that conversation, but that we're going to have that conversation. We're going to do it in a healthy way, not in a mean way, not in an angry way. We're not going to vent all the frustrations that we've built up because we haven't set healthy boundaries, but because we want to progress forward in a good way, in a God-honoring way, in a loving thy neighbor kind of a way. And Father, May our boundaries help our boundaries and that conversation to be that which honors you and reflects the boundaries that you've shared with us that we need to have. A heart that is centered on you first and foremost. And Lord, if we struggle with our relationship with you, if we struggle with maybe the boundaries that, that you have set and, and that has kind of kept us at a distance with, with ourselves and, and you, Lord, help us to go back and watch last week's message, for example, or to process through why is it that your boundaries, Lord, keep us away from you? Because starting with you is a great place. In fact, it's the best place to understand how do we have boundaries going forward and loving in the midst of that. Lord, give us the wisdom and the strength to do this. In your name I pray, amen.